This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Curtis Rogers in for Stacy Ross. This is the Bump and Stacy show. It's time to break down the plays that stuck out to us during the conference championship weekend. Let's get it. Let's go, Bump. Let's start with the Chiefs and Ravens in Baltimore. We got Patrick Mahomes with a 19-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey to open up the scoring. First and 10 from the Baltimore 19. Shotgun Mahomes pump and throw to the end zone. Handled by Kelsey for the touchdown. A rocket to the right side. And the Chiefs strike first. 19 yards. And it's that combination once again. Mahomes to Kelsey to get on the board first. All right, Bump. Now, we talk a lot about Patrick Mahomes' greatness in the postseason, but let's look at Travis Kelsey's numbers in his years with uh, Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback in the postseason. In fact, his final tw- or his last 12 playoff games, he has yet to have under 71 yards receiving and has had touchdowns in 10 of those 12 games, almost 1,200 receiving yards in those 12 playoff games. Like Patrick Mahomes has been incredible in the playoffs. Travis Kelsey's been right there with him. We always talk about head coaches are attached to great quarterbacks. Great quarterbacks also have a tight end or receiver or two during their run, man. And this was a great throw, man. Mahomes to Kelsey, 19 yards. One of the better throws of the day. Hamilton is uh, on top of Kelsey in coverage, and then he throws that little back shoulder, makes him get down. That is the first touchdown Hamilton has given up to a tight end all year. Wow. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton, he's had a fantastic season, but uh, yesterday giving up that touchdown to Travis Kelsey. The ensuing drive that the Ravens get, they put points up on the board. Lamar Jackson finding Zay Flowers for this 30-yard touchdown pass. Line of scrimmage is the 30 of Kansas City. Fake the handoff. Jackson looking. Jackson in trouble. Gets out of it. Jackson to his right. Avoids the sack. Steps. Throws. Deep shot. End zone. Touchdown. Zay Flowers. Remarkable 30 yards. Jackson to Flowers for the score. Did you catch that on the call? Lamarkable. Lamarkable. Instead I did of not. remarkable. I missed it twice. <laughs> what was the more <laughs> impressive part of that play? Jackson's escapability or the throw to Flowers putting it where only he could get it? Um, man, I would say the escapability, man. He was blitzed 47% of the time. Uh, we knew that he was going to get some pressure, but uh, this is what I expected him to do. Buy some time, find your receivers down the field. But uh, big up Zay Flowers. He's had some moments during this game. It's a couple bad ones, but this was a good one. Next drive, Kansas City gets a touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco from two yards out makes it a 14-7 ball game. But then Baltimore gets the ball back, but they give it right back to Kansas City. George Karloftis picking up the fumble from Lamar Jackson. Fake the handoff. Jackson will step up. Jackson hit from behind. The ball's not free. Kansas City's got it. Karloftis on the recovery. The pressure too much, and Lamar Jackson did not see it. From behind, Omenahu gets in there and gets home. Costly turnovers for Baltimore in this one. But Bump, credit to Kansas City's defense. You know, not the facet of the game they're most known for, but they played a, a very 
big role in, in yesterday's AFC Championship game. No, Lamar Jackson trying to buy himself some time. Had a good pocket right there. Um, sticky defense on the back end with those receivers. That's why he was holding on to it so long. But you got to have that clock, man. You got to feel that pressure. Easier said than done, especially coming from the blind side. Again, if Lamar Jackson going to this game, I felt if he could take care of the football and not turn it over, he's been prone to do that in the playoffs. They could win this game. And I saw that go down and I started to get some bad feelings, man. Bad feelings, but there was one just phenomenal play made by Lamar Jackson. It kind of was like, well, if no one else is going to step up on this Ravens team, I guess I got to do it myself. Lamar Jackson catching his own deflected pass and taking it for 13 yards. Shotgun. Jackson snapped. That ball batted in the air. Up for grabs, and it's caught by Jackson. First down. Insane. Lamar Jackson off the deflection, ends up in the right spot for 13 yards. I'm looking at the play description on ESPN.com right now. It's labeled as this. Lamar Jackson, pass short left to Lamar Jackson for 13 yards. But name another quarterback in the league that could A, catch his own pass like that after the deflection, and not just come down with it, but have the presence of mind to go up, to turn up field and run for the first down. Probably only Josh Allen is the other one I can think of who's <laughs> athletic enough to do it. No, this was, um again, an example of how athletic this dude is. My grandmother called me after that play and said, did you see that? He's the most athletic quarterback in the game. Got my grandma hyped, so you know it was real, man. Um, Big play by Lamar. We got more to come. We do. Kansas City adds a field goal at the end of the first half, making it a 17-7 ball game going into the second half. Now, Baltimore with their best opportunity to get back in this game. Zay Flowers going in for the touchdown that would have made it a one-score game, but he was denied by Legereus Sneed. Two receivers to the right side. Jackson shotgun on second down. Throws. Caught by Flowers up the middle. Breaks the plane for the touchdown. The question is when he lost the ball. Oh, boy. Nick Bolton on a recovery. Did they slap it out of there before he crossed Ruling it? on the field as the runner fumbled short of the goal line. Recovered in the end zone by Kansas City for a touchback. Defend every blade of grass bump. What'd you make of Legereus Needs heads up play? Yeah, great play. I mean, that's why you rally to the football. You never know what's going to happen. What I thought was funny was just the reaction of the Baltimore Ravens crowd. Like, y'all saw that on a replay. You know, dang well, he fumbled <laughs> that thing early. The worst part about this is that um, Zay Flowers makes a big play to get them down there. Then he gets the taunting, backs him up 15 yards. He can almost redeem himself if he just protects the ball with his body and gets in the end zone. It's tough, man, because you want young guys to try to make plays, but you also want them to be aware of the situation. Unfortunate play there. Better play by the Chiefs. That was one scoring opportunity the Ravens had to trim their deficit. Another one late in the game. Lamar Jackson looking towards the end zone, picked off by Devin Bush. 12th play of the drive here for Baltimore. Shotgun. Jackson looking. Jackson middle. End zone. Intercepted. And it's Bush with the pick. Goes down in the end zone. Turnover, Ravens, a huge one. Kansas City takes over. But from an offensive player's perspective, how demoralizing is it when you string together a great drive like that? I think that was a 12-play drive. Mm -hmm. 
and you can't cap it off with a touchdown. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I understand why he threw the football. Yes, he was triple covered, but um, likely was behind the defense. If you get a better throw right there, he might be able to make a play, but uh, that's a no-no, right? You see all those white jerseys around your purple guy. You cannot let that thing go. That is the drive where you have to walk away with points. When you have Kansas City against the ropes and they're struggling a little bit, you got to put a point. Unfortunate play there by Lamar. That would pretty much do it for the Chiefs and Ravens. Kansas City coming away with a 17-10 victory. They're on to their fourth Super Bowl in six seasons. We now move to the NFC Championship game. Lions and 49ers and bump. Lions coming out swinging. Jamison Williams on their opening drive going 42 yards on the end around. Shotgun snap, it's reverse, coming to the near side. Jamison Williams gets a block. He's on the numbers, the 30, cuts inside, 25, breaks a tackle, 20, staggers to the 10, five, touchdown! Touchdown, Detroit! 42 yards, end around, Jamison Williams, like a bolt down the middle. If you're going to start a game like the Lions did, like that's how you want to do it. Punching the 49ers in the mouth the way that they did. 42-yard touchdown run from Jamison Williams. Bump, how did Williams just manage to weave his way through that 49ers defense? A little jet sweep right there. You give him the football, you get on the edge, and the rest is just God-given ability, man. Make a couple guys miss, a little stiff arm guy pulling on your jersey. You get in there, Jamison Williams, they say, is the fastest man in the NFL next to Tyreek Hill, of course. And uh, you find ways to get him the football. He's had a quiet year uh, for the most part, but uh, shined today or yesterday and shined early. Speaking of shining early, the Lions continued to add on David Montgomery, part of that two, uh, two-horse two running back room, him and Jameer Gibbs, 14 yards out to put them up 14. Under center off, the snap, the spin, handoff, Montgomery pushing over the left guard, gouging his way in, touchdown Lions! Two possessions, two Detroit rushing touchdowns. A one-yarder right there by Montgomery. We're not out of the first quarter, and the Lions have gone up in this NFC Championship game 13 to nothing. Was there ever a point in the first half of yesterday's Lions 49ers game where you were like, I think Detroit might do this? Yeah, it was right there, up 14-0. I go, all right, all right, let's see what's happening. You get two possessions. You go four plays, 75 yards. Then you go 11 plays, 62 yards. Man, I felt like a team like Detroit just needed some confidence to be like, look, we can do this. We know how Dan Campbell gets down. He's going to get the guys going. They needed validation. They got it early with this drive. I made it 14 nothing. San Francisco got a touchdown from Christian McCaffrey, made it 14-7, but Detroit continuing to add on Jameer Gibbs, 15 yards out for the 21-7 score. It's first and 10 for the Lions at the 15 of the Niners. Under center is Goff. Got the snap. Pitches out. It goes to Gibbs at the 20. 15. Breaks a tackle. 10. Far side line. 5. Cuts inside. Touchdown! Detroit! Lions have scored another rushing touchdown. That time, a winding, wheeling run by Gibbs. 15 yards. Now late in the second quarter, the Lions have another big lead. 20-7 to over a stunned Niner team. I remember when Jameer Gibbs got drafted, Bump, a lot of people panned the pick for mm-hmm. Detroit taking a running back that early. But he has been phenomenal this season. He's been great. You see the potential of that young man. He's just getting started too, man. But what was most important is that you got points off a turnover. Brock Purdy and the Niners go nine plays, 12 yards, throwing interception. You got to get the football and reestablish your dominance after they were able to go eight plays, 75 yards to put some points on the board again. You asked me if there were moments where I thought the Lions could do it. Here's another one. I go, okay, I I believe again. I believe. (laughs) 
Now, Gibbs going from that high high, later on he would have a very low low. Uh, one play, though, bump. I In our show group text, when this play happened, I sent you and Stacy. I was like, mm-hmm. I think I think the game's starting to shift a little bit. And that was Brandon Ayuk's circus catch off the deflection, off the face mask and, and hands of the Lions defender that put the 49ers in fantastic scoring position. Birdie with a lot of time. Steps into one. Watching deep. Going for Brandon Ayuk. Bump. Brock Purdy overthrew Brandon Ayuk by probably about five yards. And yet, through all of the crazy bounces, it goes Brandon Ayuk's way. Yeah, that's um he's living a good life, Brandon Ayuk. He must be doing <laughs> something right. Um, I was watching a game with the, the broadcast crew, uh Nasa Chobi, our producer, Jordan Babino, Paul Moyer, and uh, I took the low hanging fruit. I go, that's why he plays defense. You know, you hate Can't to catch. see it, but I and I'm sitting there with Brian Walters. I go, B, I've never had a football hit me in the face like that. Ever. Have you? He goes, No, nah, I've never done it. I go, All right, man. Well, there you go. So that set up San Francisco with some really nice field position, down 14. Purdy finding Ayuk again for the score to make it just a 24-17 ball game. In the shotgun, Purdy, receivers in tight. Shotgun snap, four-man rush, moves to the right, throws a line drive pass, caught, leaping catch, touchdown, back in the end zone. Ayuk, nine yards deep in the middle, six-yard touchdown pass by quarterback Brock Purdy of San Francisco. Late in the third has just brought the San Francisco 49ers to within a 24-16 reach. So that made it one possession, and we talked about Jameer Gibbs earlier. I think the one play he wished he could have back yesterday was this one fumbling almost immediately after the Lions get the ball back, setting up the 49ers with some more great field position. First and 10 under center, the quarterback off from his own 25. Spins, ball jarred free, and a handoff to Gibbs. It's loose. It's a fumble. The Niners have recovered. The Niners have recovered at the 24-yard line on a rugged hit on the rookie running back, Gibbs. Armstead got it. I think after that play bump, I was fully convinced that San Francisco yeah. was going to win. Yeah, I was like, all right, man, here, here it comes. Here we go. <laughs> it was, um, those are that fumble is something that these guys practice almost every day. EDD, everyday drills. You give it the quarterbacks, you work on your mesh points, putting the ball where it's supposed to be, receiving the football correctly if you are the running back. They just weren't on the same page right there. You hate to see the game shift off of just something so simple like a handoff. I saw a tweet said, I've never seen God turn his back on a team in real time <laughs> like I have with this game for the Lions. He, he gave the Lions so much hope in he that did. first half and he then did. it was like, Forget it. He goes, y'all got it from here. I got yeah. you this far. Like, come on now. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can take it, right? <laughs> no. Uh, and then finally, uh, maybe the most crucial play in this one. Lions down 27-24. Having a fourth down attempt. Do you go for the field goal? Do you go for the fourth down to continue the drive and hope to, to get the lead rather than tie the game? Does not go Detroit's way. San Francisco takes over. Shotgun snap by himself. Goff backpedals. Five-man rush. Flush from the pocket on the numbers. Throws a pass. Wobbly incomplete. Along the numbers to the 10. Looking for a diving St. Brown. It's incomplete. On downs. The Lions will turn it over. Second time in the second half. They've done it. And San Francisco will get it back in their defense holds. Niners lead by three. 49ers get the touchdown. Uh 
from Elijah Mitchell, making a 10 point ball game. Lions get the score to make it 34 31, but means nothing. <laughs> San Francisco on the way to the Super Bowl. Bump. So much has been made about Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down. That's how they got to that point mm-hmm. in the season. And, and mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan made mention of that in his postgame comments. But what'd you make of them going for it right there when a 48 yard field goal, while not a guarantee, makes it a tie ball game? You know what? That's my third down. So I'm going to save that analysis and let's get to it. Let's do it. This This is four down territory going inside inside the the game game. with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Man, what a tease. Michael Bumpus, broadcasting professional. First down to you, Bump. What were the most disappointing things about conference championship weekend? Man, I'm watching this all go down, Curtis, and um, I'm looking at, and I've mentioned this already, just the approach of the Ravens. I felt like um, they didn't want to be predictable when the best thing they could have done was be predictable. Just be the team that got you there. Um, I understand you get Mark Andrews back. Maybe you're excited to throw the full ball a bunch because he's there. You got Odell Beckham with six to seven targets, only three receptions. I was so disappointed seeing Lamar Jackson drop back as many times that he did and did not take off and run. I just didn't I I didn't agree with that approach. And then just the collapse of the Detroit Lions, man. It happened so quickly, right? You you uh you you come out of the the, the tunnel at halftime, you're feeling decent about yourself. You know you gotta put up some points, and like you said, it was a snowball effect. And uh the, the good Lord, Lord, Lord Savior, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, <laughs> said, you know what, hey, I'm done here. My work here is done. You mortals gotta take this thing over and they just weren't able to do it and I felt like they were capable of getting it done. That's the worst part, right? 49ers good football team, but I feel like the Lions were capable of getting it done and I did not agree with the approach of the Ravens. Man, I didn't like it at all. Speaking of the Ravens, second down. Bump, what do you wish you had seen more of from Lamar Jackson yesterday? I wish we would have saw that kid. You know, we all been to recess before, right? And I've worked at a school before. You watch these kids play. And the best athlete on the field at recess just stands out, right? He's doing everything. He's snatching people's flags. He's snatching flags. He's shooting threes. Wall ball, he's on point. Four square, he's killing it. I go, Lamar, be that kid at recess. You've been that kid your entire life. We, I remember his clips from high school making guys miss on the sideline. I just watched his highlights at Louisville doing his thing during his Heisman campaign. We've watched him all year. He rushed for over 800 yards. I'm just saying, you don't have to win the game the way that you think people need or want to see you win the game. You win it by being Lamar Jackson. You win it by being the best kid at recess or at PE, and I just didn't see that. So I wish Lamar just would have said, look, I'm going to put the team on my back in a different way, not by sitting back there and throwing the football. Yes, the OC calls those plays just by taking off whenever something didn't feel right, man. I was uh, disappointed I didn't see that from Lamar. Third down. All right, Bump, you teased it in the previous segment. So which controversial decision made over the weekend were you okay with? I'm okay with Dan Campbell going for it. Now, if I were the head coach, I'm putting it on the foot and I'm giving my team a chance. But the reason why I'm okay with it is the same reason why I was upset with Lamar for not running the football. You just be who you've been all year. This is Dan Campbell. This is how they got there. Only one other team has gone forward more than the Detroit Lions on fourth down, and that's the Carolina Panthers. They've gone, I believe, 43 times, 43 times, and the Detroit Lions 40 times. I saw them line up, and I go, is anyone here surprised that he's doing that? And I'm talking to my guys, Paul Moyer, in, in the game, and they're like, yeah, I know he should put it on the foot, but this is who they've been the whole year, right? Why switch up who you are now when things get tight? Um, 
Now, you feel like, and I think I heard Shannon Sharp say this morning, like the percentages were, if they were to make it, there's still like a 90-something percent. Anyway, the numbers added up, right? If you look at the numbers, kick it or not to kick it, um, data says that it doesn't really change the outcome of the game. Now, that's data. In reality, I'm just looking at it and go, look, why change who you are, man? Dan Campbell's done a great job this year. If he were to flinch in that moment and switch it up, his players might have been looking at him like, Coach, what are you doing? We know what to do in this situation. So I'm okay with it. Would I have uh, gone for it on fourth down? No. But, you know, I'm a bit more conservative than Dan Campbell when it comes to calling plays. I would have put it on the foot. But, again, man, that's who they are. And if they convert, he looks like a genius. Exactly. He looks like uh, Kalen DeBoer in the Apple Cup, you know, calling that. You I, hate, I hate to bring it you up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There. I'm sorry. I'm not even a Husky and I brought it I apologize, but I'm fourth down. All right. So Brock Purdy, everybody's mm-hmm. feels one way or another about him. Has your opinion on him changed at all after the 49ers Lions game? All right. So it's, it's changed a little bit. It's changed in the sense that two weeks in a row, he had to put it together in the fourth quarter. And he did that. He had his moment, right? We're looking at Lamar Jackson, who's going to be the MVP. He had a chance to have his moment, and he was not able to do it. When you talk about Brock Purdy, we always talk about the system that he's in, the weapons that he has, and the offensive coordinator that he has calling plays for him. And you can't ignore that. I completely agree that he has access to resources that most of the league does not have access to. But when it was time to make a play, when the pocket was collapsing, what did he do? Tucked that thing and ran for it a couple of times. When he needed to make a play, what did he do? He looked off the safety in the end zone and threw a strike to Brandon Ayuk. I'm just looking at the little moments that my man had during this game, and I go, okay, you checked another box for me. I don't think he's one of the most athletic um, uh, excuse me, quarterbacks in the game, but he didn't flinch in those moments, and I think that's half the battle when you are a quarterback in this league, when you do get to the conference championship game, when you are in the playoffs, you got to have the moments where you make the play where you make the run, where you make the smart decision. So I look at Brock Purdy and I go, he grew a bit. Now, the challenge with Brock Purdy is going to be if he has to do that for a full game, if he has to be the guy to lead the charge and make all these incredible plays, something that we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes do for the past six years in this league. I don't think he can do that, but he's growing. And I think about 49ers quarterbacks. And I look at Joe Montana, and Joe Montana was not extremely athletic. But what did he do? He made a whole bunch of plays. And you can't ignore the weapons that Joe Montana had over there. Not comparing Brock Purdy to Joe Montana, but um, just shedding some light that you don't have to be the guy to be the guy in those moments. And he was the guy in those moments. All right, man. That was a four-down territory right there. We'll do this again at 115. But uh, when we come back, we got more to talk about. BYU student session. They were asked to do something. It was so soft. Curtis did not agree with it. Um, 70-point games are like 30-point games apparently this year in the NBA. And uh, the Mariners made a move, man. Probably not the move that you want to see, but uh, we'll talk about that. That's next on the Bump and Stacy Show. We got Curtis Rogers filling in for Stacy Ross. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. This is the timeline on Bump and Stacy. We got Curtis Rogers filling in, and um, this is what's been blowing up your X slash Twitter feed. And this one is softer than baby poop on a Thursday. Okay, 
BYU student section. It's the front row. The front row. They had, uh, yeah, you know, something about Wednesday that just makes baby poop softer. (laughs) BYU student section was forced to change out of their horns down T-shirts against Texas this weekend. Soft. It wasn't even the full student section. It was like that first row. It was nine students, and they all spelled out horns down. Horns down. And I am failing to see why this is such a... Like, why are these students, and this isn't the first incident we've seen in, like, the last couple weeks uh, where this has gone down. It's so harmless, Bump. It is harmless. It is so harmless. Uh, If you recall, Rodney Terry, the Texas head coach, uh, had this to say a couple weeks ago, getting all in his feelings about uh, some opposing players throwing up the horns down. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way, and... You know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud of getting to the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down, act like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. Coach, coach, coach. All right, my my good friend, Jedediah Collins, he played (laughs) eight, nine, ten years in the league. Um, he's a financial advisor. Holla at my guy, Jed. But he came and spoke to one of my teams at Monroe High School when I was a head coach there. And he said, man, the main thing I learned from just my experience as a player, as a coach or whatnot, is just to mow your own lawn. You know how I get right. off of my lawn? Mow your own lawn. <laughs> Don't worry about what's going on across the street. Like, look, look, that's that's how you coach your players. You coach them not to celebrate wins as if you didn't expect to win. Well, guess what? UCF probably didn't expect to win that game. No. And if guys are mimicking or making fun of your horns up, horns down, or whatever, that means you're doing something. That means you are seen. That means your program, uh, when the team beats your program, it's a big deal. It's almost a compliment, honestly. You got the student section putting on shirts just to talk trash. This is sports. No one is hurt. No one's being harmed. You're just being extremely sensitive. It's crazy, man. They're treating horns down like it is the middle finger or treating horns down as though it's like a slur in some way. And it's the most harmless trash talk imaginable. Like if I see somebody wearing burnt orange with that Longhorns logo, I'm giving them the horns down. I don't care, <laughs> Bump. Like you are so soft. And and I think what this is, and I think why it's been allowed to permeate uh, and why Texas has been able to throw a fit uh, for so long is that the Big 12 has kind of catered They've to Texas. Them. Because the Big 12 knew that when Texas was still there for the long haul. Like, we need you guys more than you need us. So mm-hmm. we're going to do whatever it takes to keep Texas happy. We're going to keep you get, we're going to let you guys work out your own TV contracts. We're going to let you guys do whatever it is you need to do. Oh, you want us to, to punish other schools for doing horns down? We got you. What do you need? But now that need? Texas is off to the SEC next year, they're not going to have those safeguards in place. Nah. You think that those, those fan bases in the SEC – that are just the most insane college football and college basketball fan bases around 
are going to let this slide? Are you kidding me? They're they're going to lean into that thing. Exactly. Let me, let me tell you about the SEC. We played Auburn my junior year, I want to say, and uh, we're we're driving through whatever town um, uh, um, Auburn is in, and um, an old lady is crossing the street. We stop our buses for this old lady crossing uh-huh. the street. It's like out of it's out of a movie. She stops and gives us the bird. Heck yeah, gives us the bird. And I was like, respect, <laughs> old War lady. Eagle, baby. We ain't War from Eagle. here. We ain't from here. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you are soft like that, wait until you go and play those teams down south. You are up for rude awakening. All right, next on the timeline. Just uh, four days after Joel Embiid scored a career-high 70, you got the math star, Luka Doncic. He did the same thing. He scored 73. He became the 10th player in NBA history to score um, 70. Now, four of those 10 have come within the last 13 months, Curtis Rogers. You got Dame Dollar who's done it. You got Donovan Mitchell who has done it. What does that say about the NBA? It says that scoring has never been more important than it is right now. Facts. And... It says that the three-pointer, the three-point line, is the most important shot in all of basketball. Uh, we're going to sound like old heads in this segment, oh, I'm really being about like, to sound old. where like <laughs> seventy and and even like fifty-point games used to mean, I think, a lot more than they Means mean something. now. Uh, like, bump, you see a guy get seventy-three. That's only eight points away from Kobe's eighty-one, which right. is one of the hallowed numbers in NBA history, mm-hmm. and twenty-seven points away from Wilt's one hundred. Like, I think we're going to see a day, relatively soon, where Wilt's one hundred gets threatened. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think you're so. right, especially with the way that they call the game too. Yeah, like you can't hand check no more. You can't get physical with these dudes, mm-hmm. and this is just where the game is going. Do I like it? No, not really. Um, but I'm also, I also have to change with the game. Um, just because guys like Steph Curry have revolutionized it. You got Clay Thompson shooting three like crazy in 2013. The uh, the leader when it comes to points per game, Denver Nuggets average 106 points per game. Right now, the leader in the league, Indiana Pacers, 124 points per wow. game. It's crazy what's going on now. Um, I don't want the high scoring to devalue some of these great performances, performances we're used mm-hmm. to seeing. Remember when Jordan used to drop 60 on the Celtics? Um, when guys dropped 50, it was a big deal. I just don't want it to be so watered down that we now look at those performances and say, oh, 50? That's nothing. In that era, that was something. I I look at guys in the NBA who like are averaging 20 points a game right now. And and when I was growing up, and, and same with you, Bump, because we're, we're near the same age. We've just got a few years apart between us. Like 20 points a game for an entire season, that used to mean a lot. Like that was a guy who you would say was a certified bucket getter. Now it's like if you're not averaging 25, 26 a game, it's like, okay, is is this guy, you know, scoring consistently enough? And scoring in the NBA has exploded in a way that I don't know if the league was ready for. And it kind of makes the product not as appealing as it was probably pre like Golden State Warriors run because that was a team that made all of this offensive outbursts uh you know cool mm-hmm. in the league like shooting threes became the most important thing right and uh yeah it's 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 just a math equation now like obviously you're going to want to shoot your high percentage shots near the rim layups and dunks and then you're going to want to shoot threes because uh, you know, if you shoot 40% from three compared to 40% from two, you're going to be scoring way more points than you were uh, just shooting twos. Those dang Warriors. Blame the Warriors. <laughs>
<laughs> Next on this uh, timeline, the Mariners signed infielder Cole Tucker to a minor league deal. Okay. So why is this news? Tucker is married to actress Vanessa Hutchins. That's she, a big deal. Yeah. Is she the most famous Seattle sports wife? Spouse. Spouse? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, Russell's gone, so it ain't, it ain't Sierra. Now, where would you put hmm. Megan Rapino and Sue Bird, ah, who are that's legendary, who are yeah. So this this has they're to be all, number two. But they're athletes who are also spouses. Mm-hmm. Whereas Vanessa Hudgens is strictly an actress. Yep. Oh, she's saying a little bit too. She's saying a little true. bit. That's true. She did have have a couple of hits in her Disney days. I was looking at Instagram followers because uh, that's a really telltale sign of like who's. Who's famous and right. who's not? How many? Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, 51 million Instagram Dang. followers. What's she been doing? I haven't even heard of her in a, in a, in a long time. She's Any movies, I, any songs? I, not a hit movie recently that I can remember, but I mean, her level of fame is more than I think a lot of people can comprehend. Right. Uh, and it will be bizarre seeing her hang around the Peoria sports complex in spring training with her husband in Mariners camp. This is crazy. Now I know Cole has, you know, he's been in the show, but yeah. uh, it's funny seeing her go watch her go to a game in, uh, in Everett. Yeah. You know, Tacoma. Season, Tacoma to watch, watch her do, do her thing, man. You keep supporting <laughs> your man, Vanessa. All right, man, that was your timeline, man. When we come back, Patrick Mahomes, he keeps, getting better he keeps doing things that we've never seen him do before two road game wins in the playoffs this year what's he doing to his legacy and his career we'll talk about that next on the bump and stacy show you're listening to bump and stacy on seattle sports here are your hosts michael bumpus and stacy rost patrick mahomes all he does is win 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 no matter what going into this playoff um, we're thinking, man, he's never been on the road before. What's he going to do? He's going to win a couple games on the road. Didn't and, seem to bother him a whole lot. Get to the AFC Championship for a six-year in a row. Here's a quick little view at his resume. Two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time Super Bowl champion, six-time All-Pro, two-times All-Pro, excuse me, six-time Pro Bowler, two-times All-Pro. He's had a season of over 5,000 passing yards twice. He's got 28,429 yards total when it comes to passing he's had uh four seasons where he's has had more than 35 touchdown passes he's had a season where he's had 50 and 41 and now he's done something that we haven't seen him do that is go on the road in the playoffs and win ball games he's done it uh twice this year right went over to uh to the bills got that done Mm -hmm. and then uh you go to baltimore and you beat the ravens so He's the topic of discussion, right? If Lamar would have beat Pat Mahomes, I don't think people are stressed about Mahomes and his legacy or whatnot, right? But, no, that didn't happen. He beat Lamar, the number one seed in the AFC, the best defense in all the land, and now he's advanced to the AFC championship. What has this done to his already ridiculous career and legacy? Curtis Rogers, your thoughts? I mean, four AFC championships in just six years as a starter – I don't think we've ever seen a career get off to a better start. Maybe even Tom Brady, who did win three Super Bowls in his first four years as a starter. Um, But then there was a bit of a dry spell in between Super Bowls with Brady, where he went a couple of years without making it to one. And then they had the perfect season in 2007, um, falling short, losing the Super Bowl to the Giants that year. Um, 
when Tom Brady retired, I think a lot of us kind of looked at his resume and was like, that's untouchable. Like, we're never going to see anybody have 10 Super Bowl trips, seven Super Bowl rings, uh, becoming the greatest, you know, statistical passer of all time, most touchdowns, most yards. Like, he holds every passing record in the books. But I'm starting to think that Patrick Mahomes uh, is off to the best possible start you could have if you want to come close to Tom Brady mm-hmm. or if you want to match Tom Brady. Heck, even if you want to surpass Tom Brady. I mean, just to make it to four Super Bowls at any point in your career is insane. And yet here we are just six years as a start. He's only 28 years old, and he's already going to his fourth Super Bowl. I don't know if his greatness is being talked about properly because it's happening right before our eyes, and it's really hard to quantify something, especially when you're at the beginning of somebody's career. Like, I don't think he's entering his prime yet. I think his prime is still probably, you know, two to three years away, Bob. Yeah, I agree with you. Quarterbacks, man, the good ones at least, they don't reach their prime until they hit about 30, 31 years old, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing quarterbacks play for a long time. It's almost an expectation that if you are considered a Hall of Fame type quarterback, you're going to play until you're 40 years old. So if we're going off of that, he got about 12 more of them things to go out there and play, man. And you mentioned the start of his career. I think that's what's important because you remember the start of Tom Brady's career. went off with a bang, right? Uh, right. Bledsoe gets hurt. He uh, he takes over, and the rest is history. But I think what's most impressive this year is that this was his worst performance as a pro when you look at his stats, right? 14 interceptions, the most interceptions he's ever thrown, and this team is different, right? He was asked to not win the game yesterday, but manage the game and just not lose the game. We've never, I've never described a game with Pat Mahomes as just don't lose it, right? Make the right play, throw it to the right guy, make some plays early and just hold on to it. He's finding different ways to win. And I think that's only going to help his legacy, in my opinion. You didn't have the best receiver in the game. One of the best tight ends in the game wasn't performing the way that you were used to performing. He's gone, what, this, uh, this playoff stretch, and he's only been sacked like four or five times, right? He's getting rid of the football. He's been forced to be a bit more responsible with his throws, yet he still has those magical plays that we're used to seeing. My dude scampered down the sideline for a 22-yard game. He ran a 4-8 <laughs> at the combine, yet he's still getting loose on these dudes. So I look at Patrick Mahomes, and I'm going, right when I thought he couldn't do more to enhance the way that I view him, that's exactly what he does. Goes on a road, wins a few playoff games, and does enough to win. Interesting uh Text into the Mac and Jack's text line from the 425. You can text in 866-979-3776. They say, watching Mahomes kind of reminds me of watching Tiger Woods try to catch Jack Nicholas. What's crazy is that he, what's crazy is that even with a win in two weeks, leaves him four Super Bowl shy right. of Tom Brady. Yeah, Jack Nicholas uh, had, I think he had more second place finishes in majors mm-hmm. than Tiger Woods had major wins. Like Nicholas's resume uh, is just so stupid uh, in terms of just all the majors that he won during his golf career. Um, I think that's a a very fair comparison, but I'm looking at Mahomes' bump. Look at his playoff stats. He's played 17 playoff games in his career. He started 17 playoff games, Mm -hmm. which is the equivalent of of a full season uh, worth of games. He's 14-3 and in those games. 4,800 passing yards, 39 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. Great season. Quarterback rating of 106.3. Has only been sacked 32 times in those in those 17 games. So uh, less than two sacks a game he is taking uh, in all of these playoff games. That is MVP. That is regular season MVP numbers. Right. 
in 17 playoff games. Like, it's absurd the level of production that he's had. It's dominance, man. And, you know, right when we always try to find somebody's rival, right? Who's this kryptonite? And Joe Burrow's only guy to beat him so far. Tom mm-hmm. Brady obviously beat him in the Super Bowl. But I'm looking at the remaining guys. I'm looking at the AFC. I'm looking at the NFC. I'm saying, who gives this guy trouble? Nobody gives him trouble. He's literally competing with himself and Tom Brady. That's what he's doing. I'm looking at the NFC. I go, man, Dak had a good year, but you still you still take Mahomes. You, you still you'll still take Mahomes this year over mm-hmm. Dak this year, even though Dak had himself a great regular season. He's competing with himself, man. And that Mahomes to Kelsey connection has been special. They got the most touchdowns between a, a quarterback and a, and a pass catcher in NFL history. You had Travis Kelsey now has the most receptions in playoff history. Like he's building his legacy and he's pulling guys along with him and also what he's done he's helped cement Andy Reid and his legacy too yeah. we've always known that he's a good coach right you're in Philly you get to the conference championship like four years in a row or something like that not able to win a Super Bowl you get here and uh and you've done this so I'm looking at Pat Mahomes and I go what what's left like he wins this now obviously we're gonna look at Super Bowls and how many they've won but statistically situation I'm like what is left for him to do after this <laughs> People are already crowning him the greatest quarterback of all time. I would say maybe the most talented when it comes to throws. And, yeah, I saw Mike Greenberg. Yeah, uh, Greeny did he that. He yeah. posted that Mahomes is already the greatest quarterback of right. all time. I'm not willing to go there just yet. I mean, he's only been a starter for six seasons. He's got so much more left to do. Uh, off to a very great start. I saw an old tweet resurface uh, over the weekend. It was from Troy Aikman. And it was during Patrick Mahomes' first season where Mahomes was getting all this praise. He won MVP that year. Uh, and Aikman was like, well, talk to me when he has as many Super Bowl rings as I do. Troy, we might have to start a dialogue <laughs> here because Sorry, he's one, one win away from tying you already. Yeah, the, the, the legend grows. It grows and grows every year for Pat Mahomes. Let's see what he does in the Super Bowl. All right, this is The Bump and Stacey Show in Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. When we come back, got three coaches we think we've narrowed this thing down to when it comes to the Seahawks. McDonald, Johnson, Quinn. We'll break it down next.